Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing, we're here, uh, post-holidays, uh, we're here. Oh my gosh, it feels really good to What's going on? Um, be connecting with you all about the hard stuff, which we always call the good stuff, right? So that we can be parenting for sanity and social change as we're yeah. growing up alongside our kids. We call it show up and grow up. That's the goal. Uh, what else? Let kids resist. That's another huge staple to this work we're doing with all of you. Um, we're here to do this live Q&A as usual to connect about all the things, the big feelings, the challenging behaviors. Mm-hmm. We always like to acknowledge our privilege um, that uh, we are here thinking about doing this work. Um, also that we're not MDs, we're not therapists. Um, what else, Kel? What do we usually say? I feel like I've lost my train of thought where I'm like, who are we? I'm what just, are we doing again? I'm glad to be back. Yeah. And I think that we're always here to talk about ways we can be using powers beyond control, how we can be thinking about, like you said, Hannah, our privilege and our power in the parent-child dynamic mm-hmm. and working to build all the skills that maybe weren't cultivated, supported, scaffolded as we were growing up. How can we be more compassionate? How can we be more patient? How can we be better at boundary setting? How can we be better listeners? How can we be the person that we're trying to raise our kids as in that way? Can we show yeah. up in that way a little more authentically, um, building those skills alongside them? That was a good rant. Um, one moment we're going to dedicate to this, which is that our formerly spirited kids club, which is now our show up and grow up club. Um, we almost got sued. We'll talk about it another time. Um, is Not by live. a participant. No, <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. Um, but show the up, naming needed to change. Show up and grow yeah. up club is live for February. And so what is it, Kelty? Quick, real quick, really succinct. quick, small group coaching, you and eight, you and maybe your partner, if you have one and eight other families doing once a week for four weeks, two hour call where we get into Plus. all the nitty gritty stuff yeah. where we can support you with sleep struggles, meal times, transitions, resistance around hygiene, sibling conflict, homework, screen time, all those oh. pain points that a lot of us struggle with, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. That's the idea. We love doing these Q and A's, but we don't always get to connect with you all as much as we would like and also support you as much as we would like. So that's what these small group coaching sessions are about is if you um, aren't really as into the one-on-one private coaching or it's not financially viable right now, 
the small mm-hmm. group coaching is really affordable and it's communal mm-hmm. where you can connect with others, feel less alone, be building skills all together. That's the idea. Yeah. So it's open today. But the small group coaching that's open today for just, we've got what, this week you can sign up yeah. basically, um, is something that's like no pressure. You don't have homework, you don't have stuff to do. You don't have to even show up every single time the whole way. You can have your screen dark if you're like nursing a baby or like eating your dinner or doing whatever. You don't have yeah. to participate fully in in any real way. It's kind of like do it your way. Yeah. Coaching. If you have questions about it, let us know since mm-hmm. we're on Instagram here doing the Q&A stuff. So anything about the small group coaching show up and grow up club, let us know. Otherwise let's dive into what's going on with all of you. What's uh, been tricky lately? What are you Mm -hmm. struggling with? What are you working on? Um, What's been going well um, with your sensitive and strong-willed kids? What's Mm -hmm. been a little bit harder that you would want some support on? Yeah. Amy just signed on from the grow up podcast that Mm -hmm. we, we had a chat with her that went live today which is so cool, extra cool seeing her here today. We had such a great chat about how to support our strong-willed and sensitive kids. And just all those like negative thoughts and biases that we come to the table with as parents and how do we kind of confront those and question those while also holding them with grace and ourselves with grace so we're not perpetuating cycles of shame and just crappy crap. Mm -hmm. Crappy crap, just crappy crap. Let's avoid the crappy (laughs) crap, everyone. Absolutely. Let's see. Someone says, I just want to thank you through your materials. I come across NVC and now studying it on how I can apply it. That's so great. Nonviolent communication skills. We've taken some trainings through them too and just love it. Yeah, you can, uh, for those of you who don't know, nonviolent communication was begun by Marshall Rosenberg, I believe. Mm -hmm. And you can read a book on that, get it at the library uh, or at your local bookstore. Um, There are trainings on it that um, Kelty took for us, for our, um, for our work. Um, and we highly recommend it. Um, just as far as like finding a way to communicate nonviolently with other people. And that doesn't just work for like hostage negotiators or like top CEOs Mm -hmm. of businesses. This also works at home and it works in all institutions. It's a way of thinking and Mm -hmm. uh, approaching relationship that says, it's not about my needs over yours or your needs over mine. It's just about needs, competing needs. And how can we get everyone's needs met? Yeah, I think that's the idea. A lot of people are like, I'm into this through my work. Yes, that makes sense. But why would I take those principles for toothbrushing or for putting the shoes on or for doing the homework or for cleaning up their messes or whatever it is? And I think that nonviolent communication principles and just our resist approach that we promote through our own shop and website is all about connecting human to human and dismantling a lot of the oppressive models that really like hold us into this, um, this kind of like lock zone Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good for anyone that, that stops us all from growing and feeling connected to one another. (sighs) Yeah. NBC. Thank you for bringing that up here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What else is going on for you all? Um, chime in, let us know what's happening. Big feelings, challenging behaviors. That's what we're here to talk about. We have a few questions here that we've been collecting, uh, and that, but we want to honor those of you who are here right now. So type in what's going on with you. Where are you struggling with your, your toddlers to your tweens? That's kind of our happy place, right? In, Mm -hmm. in those challenges that we like to support. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, that's my happy place and my sad place because it's (laughs) so hard. (laughs) It's all the things. Let's see. Someone asked, how to start getting kids three and six to help clean when I've never consistently done it before? Consistently mm. clean. Yeah. I think that like with oh, all cleaning. No, how can I help them clean when I've never consistently done it before? Oh, I like that. Okay. I, that that's good. Yeah. I think they mean consistently push them to Enforced. Clean. Enforced. Or <laughs> modeled yeah. or invited. Yeah. I think that's that's the question. How do we interact with our kids in something that we want them to be doing more of? And I think that, um, conventional wisdom says, use words. It says, go top down and just dominate that harder. (laughs) The stake just say what you need and force them to do it or threaten what will happen if they don't do it. And I think that with anything, anything promotional that we want, Okay, we need them to brush the teeth. Okay, we need them to clean up. Okay, we need them to um, do their homework. Okay, we need them to be nice with their siblings, whatever it is. I think the best way to be promotional is to be building positive associations around 
all of these things. And how do we build positive associations? I think most of the time we're like positive associations mean incentives. They mean Mm -hmm. gold stars. They mean sugar. They mean screen time. They mean prizes Mm -hmm. or, you know, freedoms basically. And I think that that promotes this ideology that like we as the parents are gatekeepers of freedom for Mm -hmm. our kids that we get to decide when they're free and when they're not. Right. And we can actually use that power and privilege we have to train them to clean up or to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, that, that's what, like, we just say, forget all of that, right? Download our freedoms model on our website at upbringing.co to think about those areas of our kids' lives that are their freedoms that they deserve to exert mm-hmm. um, with joy, <clears throat> with um, unique diversity, um, with um, a nod to their developmental um, trajectory that is unique to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and say instead, with, when we want to be promoting and supporting our kids through cleaning up and mm-hmm. um, cooperating or any other realm, that's what this question was about though, was saying, how can we get the three and six-year-old to help clean? Um, and I love that she actually mentions help clean because I think mm-hmm. a lot of in our minds were like, all of a sudden by three and six, you will clean. Just fucking do it. On Just your own. get rid of it all. Right. Just and pull I lo- your weight finally, I love that, that Katie mentions it's just to help clean, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that what you talk about, Kelty, and what we talk about so much is saying helping is if we want them to help, then we have to help first. And so mm-hmm. how do we create those positive associations, like you said? Mm-hmm. So we do it without complaining. We do it consistently. We sports cast, right? Like Janet Lansbury says, we talk it out why mm-hmm. we do these things. We explain where the, the value in it is for us personally, right? And then we also give our kids the freedom to not clean, to not partake in grind culture and feel like th- mm-hmm. these things are mandatory. We're building the culture by literally just participating in it ourselves and creating a connective way with our child through our language, through our, our body posturing, through our voice, through our invitations and collaborations to make it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is too like kind of meta and people are like, but tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but there are no right answers to this. I think so much about it is just <clears throat> our mindset in saying kids shouldn't have to fucking clean up anything. We shouldn't have to fucking clean up anything. And when we make it mandatory and negative and control-based and top-down, that's when people start losing and when things aren't growing, including self and relationships. It's hard, though, because it is mandatory for us. We are the, the at the end of the line. It's our job to do it. And I think that's why instead of kind of forcing our kids to clean up and pull their weight and do all these things, I think that... We need to switch our effort from saying you must, or you need to, or you've got to, or I I need you to, or it's time to clean up to how can we make this fun? How can we make this innovative? How can we use our resist approach to respect their right to not do it, Mm -hmm. to respect the fact that they're into something else right now, to respect their timing that maybe five minutes later would be good. And we're going to engage through a respectful, nonviolent communication around that. Say, okay, it seems like you're not wanting to clean up. When do you want to clean up? Okay, what, five minutes from now? And they're like, cool, yeah, five how, minutes. And how would like, you want to clean up? That. Right, right, so we innovate with them. What can we do? Can I hold the bin and you throw them in? Right, we're trying to create positive associations around cleaning so it doesn't feel like a chore, so it doesn't feel like a punishment. So it's not so it doesn't done feel like to them. This was fun, this whole work and creation and play thing, and now I have to do this. And right. I think that it's a whole, like, whistle while you work culture that maybe a lot of us haven't grown up with. We definitely did. We grew up in a home where our mom was like, let's put on some music. Let's vacuum. Let's put the toys away. And it felt good. And that turned us into super servers who just want to clean for other people. So can we find a nice balance between <laughs> seriously between wanting to clean up and that feeling good and also saying, but here's where my stopping point is, or here's where I'm needing help, or here's where I'm feeling a, a little bit lost and needing connection or organization from my partner or my <clears throat> child or a cleaning service or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think so much about cleaning up too. It's really hard, especially for us, those of us who have sons, we're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to be doing your laundry. I'm not going to be cleaning it's up your so shit. so much harder on my This son. situation, oh, sure. man, woman, uh-huh. not going to fly in my home. You are going to clean up your shit and do all of it, right? But we have to think... All of these are are, are little people, our kids, before they're gendered, before they're male or female. And we have to keep giving them all the benefit of the doubt and saying, again, like you said, positive associations. So how can we 
raise their awareness about mm -hmm. why we do the things. How can we simplify the environment or the timing mm -hmm. or the routine to say when works best for you? When I have resistance about like cleaning out my back patio. Mm -hmm. So I have areas where I'm like, it is so hard for me to want to do those things, which might be the same as your two-year-old just putting or four-year-old putting their dirty clothes in the hamper or clearing a plate from the table mm -hmm. or cleaning up the Lego situation. So you don't like kill yourself walking across the living room. Right. Mm -hmm. We think like there's an obstacle there and that's what the resistance is. And that's why we think resistance is so beautiful because even though it feels counterproductive and really terrible, it's actually saying there's an obstacle that we can examine for growth. What is that growth that's mm -hmm. gonna be there? What's that obstacle that's there? And the help and support that we give our kids and the obstacles helps them understand when they have future obstacles. That's the, the long-term game we're playing mm -hmm. with all of these things is saying the skills we're building isn't just do something when someone tells you to. I don't really want my kids to learn that. Mm -hmm. Or do something because this is the culture here. Oh, I don't know if I want to mm -hmm. do that either. Because what 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 if the culture is something that's really dangerous or hard? Mm -hmm. It's more about saying, what's holding me back? Let's get a curious mindset and see if it makes sense for me personally to engage in this in a particular way. And that's the job we do through the resist approach, we can, which you can download on our website. Is saying, what is this this resistance my kid has to clearing their dish from the table, tidying mm -hmm. up their room, cleaning up their play? putting something away. Mm -hmm. What is it? And if I can ally with them in this way, instead of be this adversary and top down telling them what to do, then I'm helping them build that awareness and then those skills to identify, oh, I'm just feeling like I wasn't finished with this other thing. Or I wasn't feeling like the way you were talking to me felt um, collaborative and respectful. Mm -hmm. Or I actually feel like I get too uh, overwhelmed. And so I need smaller pieces mm -hmm. or whatever it is that we're helping them smart goal and understand about themselves. That's going to apply for when they're doing the taxes, when they need to get their butts to the gym, when they mm -hmm. need to call their mother-in-law, <clears throat> when they have a really scary TPS report to submit someday, <laughs> all of these skills that we're doing right now with cleaning in this, this area and, and, and contributing in this area, that is something we want them to, to do readily we have to be thinking this is going to apply in all these areas and we want to be kind of sensitive yeah. and patient about how this unfolds little by little. And I think often <clears throat> those of us who have really needy kids who are like really struggle to get things done by themselves or want our help for things or are really connective yeah. and want to talk about stuff all the time. We think, God, I have to be cleaning up and seeing to this person's needs. And I think those are actually really amazing teaching moments mm -hmm. that we can say, I'm still cleaning up your Legos. Do you want to come help me? I can't actually help you with the slime over there because we're still moving through this last task. Mm -hmm. Come on over so we can finish this before we move on to the next thing. And it's so hard to take that deep breath and not feel rushed through or not feel like we're their servant mm -hmm. in some way. But I want to also check in with the fact that essentially we are. We are here to serve our kids yeah. and they do not grow to a certain age where all of a sudden, bloop, all of a sudden they're able to clean up all of their things and, and meet all of our needs. our needs. That's not going to happen overnight. It's not a one day thing. And I think we have those moments where I'm like, nope, it's right now. <laughs> this is the moment where they've graduated and I need them to do these things. And I apologize for it later because it's not a real thing. It's just in my mind. It's a, and that's okay. Need, which is valid, but not and appropriate. I think that, right. That, that connects to our needs. How can we get the support we need? How can we use words when we're feeling frustrated or overwhelmed that don't shame our kids for their natural development? I'll say something like, I'm just really struggling with all of the work out, not the messes, the work that everyone's been doing and it's still here and I'm seeing it out and I'm seeing a lot of it sprayed out over the floor. I'm seeing a lot of it dripping off the table and I'm struggling with that. Instead of saying, you did this and it's bad because of this. Mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to say, the work you did was great. I'm so glad you did that work. I loved watching and you or I got some <laughs> dishes done while you did that. Or I was able to do my relaxing time while you or did that. I worked so hard helping you and now I'm exhausted having to clean it and up. And now <laughs> yeah. it needs to be cleaned up. So who's going to do that? I'm going to spearhead it because I'm the adult and I'm your parent and that's my job. I think it's and also, I would love it if you could help me. Yeah. And if you can't, I understand. Right. But I also think it's an opportunity with contributing or giving anything where we decide where are our deal breakers. Mm -hmm. And if we don't like cleaning up goo off the floor every time our kid makes glue, goo gone. and they're not <laughs> helping us, then goo gone. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And we can lovingly hold that boundary and say, 
I love when we eat rice for dinner, but it's so hard for me, mm -hmm. whatever reason. Or I've noticed that I, I end love... up cleaning up most of it and it's really stressful for me. And sometimes mm -hmm. I end up yelling right. because just little pieces of rice. Right. It seems so silly, well, but and, that's how I'm and, feeling right and now. some of these things we can just mental note. No mm -hmm. more rice. I said that to myself last night. I was like, what the fuck? Rice is terrible. I'm not doing this again for a little while, right? Rice and, on rug? Oh no. my gosh. Even just rice on table. I'm like yeah. trying to scoop the rice to clean it up and it's just smushing everywhere, right? <laughs> um, but other things we can bring our kids in and say, oh, hey, mm -hmm. this thing. Oh, you're wondering why this whole chunk of Legos is gone? It was so hard to clean up every time. Yeah. Oh, you want them back? Do you want to support me and doing that? Because otherwise, I don't think that we can have those out if I'm the one cleaning them up every single time. Mm -hmm. So, so much about it is just getting honest about what we're capable of doing um, and agree to doing. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Are you listening? I don't know. Doing bath, maybe. Someone said, boy and girls, siblings, three and two, obsessed with butt jokes, touching each other's butts, etc. will not stop. What do I do? How do I approach this gently? Love that you mm. said approaching this <clears throat> gently, which is so mm. great. Mm -hmm. A couple people said they're happy that we're back. It's been a bit. Um, oh, the classic butt <clears throat> joke. The butt jokes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really tricky. I think um, being neutral and checking for consent with each kid, mm -hmm. I think, is like, how are you feeling with them touching your butt? How are you feeling with them touching your butt? And if it gets into like more deep private part situations, I think that would merit a conversation of like. There are areas that we have safe, safe touch for ourselves, for a doctor, but that other people don't touch mm -hmm. necessarily. But I think that if we kind of maybe potentially generate too much energy around like, stop touching your butt, stop touching his butt. Stop it's not the, funny. That's yeah. not funny. Um, it might kind of like keep that, that momentum going a little bit. So I like that you are th considering the ways to approach it gently. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, know that this is a phase for sure. And I think that we can always, if we're trying to kind of divert or direct attention elsewhere, we can always say like, what else can we touch? Are you okay with me touching your armpit? Or are you okay with like us all touching this pillow? Or should we all jump on the couch? If, we, if there's a punch on the couch, if there's something we want to be punching or touching, mm -hmm. and we can just kind of try to key into their their energy and, and kind of like angle it in a way that feels yeah. like a little more productive. I think also just letting it go and being mm -hmm. like, I feel uncomfortable with this butt talk. It's not like butt play. Like there's nothing inherently like dangerous going on yeah. at all, but like they're, they're, they've seen something, they've read something about butts and they think butts it's are funny. funny. They think it's funny. funny. Cause like weird stuff comes out of your butt and it's like, mm -hmm. it's like the potty humor situation starting, sure. which is just so lowbrow in our minds. We're just like, Oh my God, I think we fear spiral. <clears throat> they're going to talk about this in front of yeah. grandma and grandpa. They're going to talk about this at school. They're going to talk about this in front of my like, my po more poncy friend whose kids like sit and like, let you know, them, it's right, like, let them eat cake. Let them talk about butts. Yeah. Just let them, let them. And I think See that what happens can also be a way where maybe they're rebelling a little or they're finding a way to connect. I, I just picture a three and two year old usually want to kill each other mm -hmm. and thinking about a three and two year old bonding over their butts. I'm just like, <laughs> that's golden. That's beautiful. They're laughing and enjoying each other yeah. in that way where they're joking about it. Mm -hmm. um, as long as it feels as Kelty said, consensual where they're not, you know, and doing safe. more than just looking at each other's butts, maybe a little tap that each of them is okay with poke. and jokes about it, mm -hmm. I think could be okay. Um, yeah. But I, I would love everybody's thoughts on that. Yeah. I think we can always like, yeah, bust that, bust open that and be like, what about butts? What about arms? What about armpits? What about tummies? Yeah. Do you feel good about her poking your tummy? It can be like a whole exercise in consent mm -hmm. culture. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Just keep... Keep checking in with each one of them. Do Is you everyone like feeling good? Do you like feeling like that? Feel okay? Oh, when... I love that you guys are doing this, but I don't want you to touch my. You butt. can poke me here, but definitely not on the butt. That's that doesn't feel good right. to me. Yeah, yeah. Someone said, "Curious to know your thoughts on saying be careful too often to our toddlers." Recently read an article about how it can be detrimental to say too often. <clears throat> I love that question. It's definitely something. Be careful about saying be careful too much. <laughs> Um, I think that it's something that I've read, especially in relation to, um, saying it to girls. There's like research shows that yeah. we say it so much more often to little girls saying, yeah. be careful on playgrounds and things. Um, and I think that there's a lot, there are a lot of things that we can do to replace saying, be careful, which can tell our kids, stop. You don't know your body. Stop. I know your body better than you do. 
stop, this thing could be scary that you're not even aware of. And I think we can instead say potentially, well, stop. That's, and that's external information, right? right? Right. And what we want to focus on is the internal. Internal so attunement. Say, stop. How are you feeling? You know, if it's like they're on the edge of a cliff, <clears throat> yell stop and grab their body. Yes. But if it's like they're on a little slippery little or they're starting to climb or, a tree or there's like a, a slide that seems a little precarious <clears throat> or they're going up a little ladder and it's wet on the ground. Instead of saying, be careful, this kind yeah. of like nagging, whining, like, be careful. We're saying, well, I don't have faith that it's going to go well. It's like a preventative, like safety mm -hmm. measure of saying this may. So it's be careful is like a phrase that we've like shrunken into basically <laughs> saying, I, I haven't checked this area over um, and I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Or I've seen this happen a million times and mm -hmm. I don't want it to happen again. Or I'm not sure if you can handle whatever all of this is. Or I don't want to get up and come over to support you. So <laughs> right. just be careful so I don't have to. Right. But kids interpret be careful, like you said, Kelty, in very different ways than what our intention is. So instead of sending an intention out that is interpreted wildly different, dependent on the kid's development and their mm -hmm. language and their their temperament Ability. and all of these mm -hmm. things. Let's just communicate what we actually want to say. And that takes a little bit of forethought, a little bit of thought. Yeah. Hey, can I tell you that may be slippery? Just an FYI that you might need to walk a little slower. Hey, if you don't want to fall, if you don't want to fall, maybe they want to fall. Hey, I'm wondering how stable that is. Does it feel stable under your feet? Mm -hmm. Are you noticing that? Hey, I've noticed that that is kind of an incline. So it's going uphill very fast and then downhill. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, I'm wondering what might happen if you ran over it quickly. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Right. Even just the most basic of, does your body feel safe doing that right now? Right. And then I'll be here to support you in case. Right. So we're That's saying, I yeah. trust you and right. I trust your body and right. I'm going to be here to support if you slip or if mm -hmm. you fall or if you, if that thing pokes you or whatever it is, instead of saying, be careful. And the onus is on you to think worst possible case scenario and avoid basically everything, basically all risks, because what could happen? I don't know. Being careful is basically saying, don't be curious. Mm -hmm. Don't experiment. Don't take risks. Don't grow mm -hmm. is, is giving our kids the mindset be careful about life. Be careful about mm -hmm. learning and exploring and being. So we don't want to be giving them that impression. We want to say questions. How's it going? Instead? How's it feeling? How's it feeling? Does have it you, feel, have does you it feel tested stable? that? Does it feel stable? Right, exactly. Yeah. And not like doubting, but just wondering. So all the questions we want our kids mm -hmm. to ask themselves in risky situations in the future, we get to ask them and in a neutral way. Yeah. How's that feeling for your shoes? Instead of How's that feeling for your shoes? Right. It's slippery. Do you feel like that's gripping onto your shoes? Mm -hmm. Well, all of these things were like, oh, or, my two-year-old or three-year-old can't understand. Or they totally can. Every time we want to say, you're going to slip, you're going to fall, oh, you're yeah. going to this, say, I wonder if you might fall. That like, even if we just cage that deepest fear with, I wonder if you might fall because it feels slippery, but you let me know right. is how we try to like kind of wrap it up every time, but you know your body best. And again, this is back you to our, me. This is back to our freedoms model mm -hmm. where our kids freedom to play, freedom to move, mm -hmm. freedom to struggle, mm -hmm. freedom to feel all of these things come into this risky play. I yeah. love talking about risky play. And I know you love talking about it too, because it involves letting our kids fall, letting our kids hurt themselves, letting our kids bonk their heads, yeah. letting our kids slip, get a little scared, just get a little, a little scared, get a little dirty. It's all okay. Right. And I think that especially when we've had those warnings, not to say, I told you so, I told you that was slippery, but that's on us. Mm -hmm. If we thought it's slippery and we go in there and say, I wonder if it'll be slippery and they slip and fall without us being there. That's on us. That's not on them to say you walked on it or you climbed that thing. I told you it was unstable. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's such a weird middle ground of what's their job. What's our job? How can yeah. we be sports casting? Um, our concerns while still saying, I trust you and I believe in you and your competence and your body knowledge and the, the prerogative that kids have that they have to like do it to learn it. Yeah. Our kids can't just hear a, a preventative uh, threat warning. from us or warning <laughs> of don't go over there because you'll fall. They actually have to go over there and fall to know, hey, that was too slippery. That was great. Right. 
And so I think that in our minds, we're like, can I just save you, kid, and me also? <laughs> Let's just all bypass trouble <laughs> and basically bypass learning with preemptive learning. And I just tell you and whisper you the secret. I'm just going to warn everything away. But I'm sorry. That's yeah. just not how people learn. They actually have to learn by doing. So as much as we can allow our kids to learn by doing, that means we have to get off our asses at the playground. We have to get across our, our living room to be over by them. We have to let them understand and grapple with and struggle with and even suffer from slightly uh, mm -hmm. the world for them to learn what that power is so that they don't constantly feel like they have to trust external resources or they have to um, fear, right? Mm -hmm. The future, the, the environment, all the things and, and kind of just preventatively warn themselves off of yeah, everything about in their like, lives. What if like they're going on a hike when they're teenagers or young adults, like, we don't want them to only feel caution if they see a sign that says caution, mm. like slippery road ahead or um, don't walk on this path. Only then will it cue them in because that's what we are as the external people or the sign people or the right. sign people. So how can we be cultivating that inner voice that says, I don't know if it's safe and I'm going to constantly be tuning into here to see if it is. Maybe it says rocky area and I'm like, I'm feeling good on this rocky area. Right. Maybe it doesn't say slippery grate and I notice there's a slippery grate. So I'm constantly checking in with myself and my environment instead of uh, kind of depending on these external cues mm -hmm. to tell me what is safe and what is not. It's not saying everything is safe until told. And it's not saying like it's unsafe. Um, nothing is yeah. safe and you should get away. <laughs> it's saying our kids have the answers and should be the ones to discern these things. Those are the real skills that we're building is not listening to other people telling them what to do. It's thinking through and problem solving through them and their environment over and over and over yeah. again. And they can listen to yeah. those things too. Factor them in. Oh yeah. Someone said, what, what was that one? Sorry, one sec. It all becomes so real when they get their driver's license. Oh God. Said. Oh my God. And then someone else said, thanks for addressing the be careful question. It's interesting because it's my four-year-old son who is super cautious and careful, but our 18-month-old daughter is a feisty, fearless little firecracker. Yeah. I mean, less prefrontal cortex, right? Sure. So that decision-making judgment stuff and less experience in living and learning and hurting and suffering and all the things. Um, and also just temperament. Some kids are hyposensitive to environment. They're hyposensitive mm -hmm. to pain. They're a little maybe more impulsive. There's so many things about this that are beyond development that are more about our and kids' beyond conditioning and conditioning yeah. that are more about their, just their unique development and their temperament. So including all of those things, how can we be supporting our kids to say, I'm going to try and be there to support you in learning how things feel with your body and the environment. Not what is safe and what is not safe, what is right and what is wrong. Right. But what is working and what is feeling good to you and your body. Right. Yeah. Someone said, hello, my two boys, four and three, fall apart when I'm on the phone or have a visitor. Mm. Last week, they opened the fridge and tipped a carton of milk upside down. How to help them when I'm having to divert my attention. Mm -hmm. That's so hard. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a... Uh, Something a lot of us are dealing with constantly is like the second they're out of our sight, who knows what's going to happen. We can't always trust our kids to be alone and be safe or be productive for sure. Mm -hmm. Those sensitive and spirited kids too, just they're used to our connection mm -hmm. so consistently that it can feel really difficult and anxiety inducing for them to not have access to us. Mm -hmm right? To our presence or to our voice or yeah. to our, our connection, essentially. I think in those moments, we really try to ally with our kids in those moments, especially because mm -hmm. when um, we're trying to get something done, we're visiting with someone, we're on the phone with someone, we're doing a task and we can't have our kids there or we need them to be away. And we like, we feel like we're more adversaries in the, those moments. It feels like get away, stop, I set a boundary and you're crossing it and it feels like such a violation and such a breach of relationship. And it's not our <clears throat> kid's job to stay away. It's our job to or help to, them right. be away in a, in a way that works for them. Right. It's not our kid's job to do nice developmentally appropriate, non messy things when we leave them alone. Mm -hmm. It's their job to do whatever they need to do to feel safe or intrigued or comfortable. And I think that's or the comforting whatever it thought is. for us yeah. is saying in those moments, my kid is busting in on, on me, on my call, or, or dumping out a milk in the kitchen because they know I'm busy and they're needing me. It's they're needing something else. They're needing my attention. They're needing my support. They're needing my connection. They're needing some, um, maybe some exercise to regulate their nervous system. They're needing something. And I think any moment that we're like, what 
fuck? Why did they X, Y, Z? We could always be thinking they were needing something, something, right? What were they needing? When we tend to lean into that way to villainize them as adversaries, how can we lean in as an ally instead? So often before we get on an important call and have to leave our kids for a few minutes, we tend to get into like, again, the preventative warning. warning, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going on this call. I don't want any disruptions. So I want you're going to be what again? Yes. And that's it. And you're not going to what? Right. To come in and bother me. Think about our kids, what they're experiencing in that moment is they're like, oh my God, I don't have access to mom. And she's putting on the pressure hardcore that I do certain (laughs) thing, feel a certain thing, not do certain things. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. And kids are going to express that anxiety or that uncertainty or want to test those things by saying, what are we going to do? And these kids that the three and was a four-year-old mm-hmm. who d- dumped over a pitcher of milk while she was on the call, they may not even have been trying to access their mom in that way. They may have just been like, yeah. we're thirsty. We're what doing can we thing. do? What are we doing? And that's on the mom to say, do they have access to the fridge? Do they have a block where the room is that they're able to exit? Mm-hmm. It's not, you can't control what they're going to do because they shouldn't be able to necessarily inhibit those impulses based on their age and their stage of development. Mm-hmm. So that type of situation where, oh my God, they got into this while I left them alone on this call. That's not on them. It's not on them. It's, yeah. it's on you. So then we get to decide as the parent, how can we support our kids in mm-hmm. giving us that space that we need when we're on a call? Okay. It's in a room and there's a baby gate or mm-hmm. they're in a room and I'm in the outer room. And then I keep ushering them back and doing mm-hmm. the best I can, right? How can I ally with them? So there's a wink and a lot of maybe, excuse me, visual communication rather than verbal communication happening. Mm-hmm. How can I especially ally with that older child who's usually the ringleader with these other little projects that happen? Mm-hmm. How can I set them up with something like a show or whatever it is while I'm on this call and then have a backup that says, if the show's not going well, here's this other thing. So mm-hmm. that they're not being like, show, let's blow it up and we're going to mm-hmm. go into the kitchen and do something else. But all of these things, these moments where we're like, fuck, that blew up. It was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. I was so embarrassed. I was so just resentful about that. Says it's an opportunity. How can, again, I raise my own awareness about what I can do, what power I have as a parent that's not going to be putting more pressure on my child or our relationship. And then how can I support the skill building in my child to say, when they're a little at loose ends, when something's not working for them, when they're needing a little help, what can they do that's not going to be messing with my shit or pissing me off, right? Yeah. But it's, it's an ongoing process. It's it not going to be perfect. It is. And I think that it also asks us to work on our level of acceptance for the fact that we can't always have what we want. Mm-hmm. I can't always make the finish my Instagram post or story without my kids coming in and needing me yeah. and me having to chuck the whole thing. Like it, like it can't happen. It comes back to that fact of our, our, our real work is when we're with our kids, our, our work is to serve them. And I feel like, yes, we can't always do that perfectly. And yes, we have to circle back and apologize when we're unable to do it or when we yell at them or when we shame them for their needs that are coming into conflict with our own needs. But coming to that level of acceptance for the fact that our kids will interrupt us, our kids will defy us. Our kids will make messes, make messes when we're trying to get other things done. How can we look at that with this level of acceptance? Like, of course they did. Of course course they will. Helps me so much because otherwise, and something we talk about often, this belief when our kids are having big feelings and challenging behaviors, if we look at it with this sense of no or rejection, how are we going to show up compared to if we look at it with a sense of, of course, that makes total sense that they did that. And acceptance that they are their small brained, young selves struggling to get their needs met in this fierce and beautiful way. And it sounds a lot of people are like, that sounds like a great, like crazy talk. (laughs) Like, why would I choose to believe that's the normal? And this is this acceptance of reality doesn't mean roll over to it. It doesn't mean permit our kids to run our lives and all the things it means in those hard moments. Can we look at what we're seeing, especially from these people who are struggling to get their own needs met with the skills they have, small skills, as okay, as all right, as the best they can do. And what can we do from there? Mm-hmm. Someone said that learning that acceptance is the key to life and parenting. And I think when we think of acceptance, we're like pushover, permissive, mm-hmm. pansy, all these P words and probably many others <laughs> where we're just like, that is not, it's unproductive to be so just accepting, right? 
But acceptance is incredibly powerful because acceptance is the beginning of the work. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is the beginning of saying, if I can accept what my child is saying, what my child is doing, who my child is being, right? Then I can actually work with that rather than against it. And when we're working against our kids, that's where the resistance comes up. How far do we get? Nowhere. No growth happens. We're both polarized. We both feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And when we accept our child or accept a challenge or accept a struggle and say, I accept this. Okay. Then that opens the book to the next chapter to say, Mm -hmm. so what are we going to do about it? And not I and not they, which we tend to go into, Mm -hmm. what are we going to do about this? Their needs, my needs. It comes from such a collaborative standpoint, Mm -hmm. right? I love that. Someone asked to join our video. Mm. Do you want to see what happens? It usually is. Do we have time for one more question? Yeah, that question's been going for a while. I've got a little list here, Mm -hmm. but I'd always rather prioritize the folks that are here right now. Yeah. Lacey, were you really trying to request to be in our video to connect about something, or was that an accident? It happens often. People are like doing dinner, juggling yoga Mm -hmm. and other stuff while they're listening. Mm Mm-hmm. Lacey said, my kids are 10 and 5. The only way to interact is by wrestling, which turns to fighting, hitting, yelling. Oh, Yeah. That's so, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, that's really hard when you feel like the only interaction that your kids have is physical and potentially negative and really harmful mm-hmm. and just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's such a, a natural way for kids and for people to interact is mm-hmm. physically. They can get out their energy. They can regulate their nervous systems. They can play power games, right? They can express feelings right? Mm -hmm. There's so many uh, ways to access their experiences and their relationship within a wrestling dynamic Mm -hmm. for sure. But it's also just so triggering to us because most of us, when we had physical um, experiences or altercations as kids, there was so much heightened emotional stuff that we feel really um, uncomfortable um, and even unsafe in a lot of those things. So when my kids wrestle where there's lots of screaming, I feel very unsafe in my body and it's really hard for me to be around for it. Mm -hmm. And then we also can't just be like, oh, well, when our kids are wrestling and doing that stuff, I'll just be in the other room if they end up kind of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of then we're kind of pulled in and we have to kind of witness this as a bystander that's uncomfortable with all of it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot we can do before, during and after. And I think maybe we could just open up that the conversation with that really quickly. But I think before we can think about our own triggers with those things find ways to help our body own bodies feel safe in those moments mm-hmm. with taking deep breaths which look with looking at other places to kind of ground our bodies taking a quick break at the beginning of their wrestling and then coming back if we mm-hmm. need to kind of uh, dive in. Yeah. Earlier, we can also encourage our kids to regulate their own nervous system. So maybe they'll be a little bit less likely to wrestle beat on each other, right? A little bit less likely to get like really swamped in it emotionally if we can regulate their nervous systems earlier. And I think with those older ages, especially we forget because we're they're yeah. like, I'm over the playground. <laughs> I don't need to do that. Um, I had sports on Saturday. Right. I'm so good. how can we get their nervous system regulated? Can we be instituting some kind of like every couple hours or right when you get home from school? cool. We just do this family circus thing. Go jump on the trampoline. We do wheelbarrow walks where everyone's walking on their hands while we hold the feet. We do a family dance party, whatever it is. We spin, we twist, we jump, we flip. We're getting those wiggles out. And regardless of age and right, regardless of age, because for those of you who, who like aren't in this like nervous system kind of whirlwind that we're in, our nervous systems need that. Every two hours, every four hours, Mm -hmm. we need to be jumping, twisting, swinging, flipping, pressing, pulling, um, mm-hmm. getting that soft touch, reducing stimuli maybe from light, sound, touch. Mm-hmm. We might need more, we might need less, mm-hmm. and every body is different. But to the point where if we're getting too much of one, we need less of it. If we're getting not enough, if we're sitting at a desk, for example, all day with our mm-hmm. five and 10 year old, they're needing to move their bodies. And they're gonna express that need to do it by projecting it onto each other in a wrestling dynamic. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea, Kelsey get the wiggles out in other ways that could be a little bit more productive and more independent mm-hmm. possibly um, or preventative before. preemptive. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think mm-hmm. so that talking to them too, that's the kind of pre- prevention yeah. thing too, okay. which could involve conversation or saying, after. I've noticed some kinds you, sometimes you guys wrestle up and how can we set you up for success? So it feels good. Mostly right. like, what have you noticed? Do you have 
a consent word, like a stop term. Mm -hmm. So our family's word is pickle. So mm -hmm. if any of our kids or any of us or no, or no, if you forget pickle right, totally. <laughs> or stop, right? Stop. No. And pickle. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not liking it, then you just say whatever word it is and the other person has to acknowledge it and value it and, and respect it essentially. And we'll be there to support and that. We'll be there to support that. Right. Um, what other things could we do to whatever? Why do you mm -hmm. think it gets to the point where you guys cry? Could there be another thing? So we're mm -hmm. opening up the awareness for our kids who are wrestling and harming each other. You guys are in trouble. This is going too far. This is too hard to watch. You're hurting each other. Right. What can you do to be safe and take care of one another and be nice to each other? It's not like a grill back. It's connecting preemptively saying, I've just noticed. So when you guys wrestle later, okay, we're, we're cool. I'll be right. around to support if you need me. Right. So then in the moment, can we pop in in that same way? Like we talked about the butt conversation mm -hmm. with the younger kids, right? How can we say, how's it going for everyone? So they said, it's the screaming. Oh, I can't take, we've mm -hmm. tried setting a 20 calm, uh, minute calm interaction timer with a 10 minute wrestle timer. They'd abandoned that. Yeah. Timers kids. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know the kids that do well with timers. I've never met them. some yeah. kids apparently do well with timers, but none that I've met. Um, but yeah, how can we be checking in and just saying, what can we do? Okay. So screaming's feeling good, right? You guys good. You feeling good about her touching you that way and him touching you that way. You guys have the safe word set up. Okay. Are we good? I'll be nearby. If anyone needs me, yell mom or yell dad. Okay. Or yell grandma, whatever it is. I'm nearby. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if the screaming is really hard for us in that moment, we have our earplugs loop earplugs. We should be like spokespeople for them sure. by this point. Yeah. They're beautiful. They feel like a little earring in there. Just set them delicately and halfway just tones down the level of talk. This could be for screaming wrestling fest. This could be for dinner time. Could be screaming in the car. This could be for car rides. Mm -hmm. This could be for anything where we want to say not, this is what you're doing to me. So I'm putting my earplugs in hearing you. Right. right. But, um, excuse me one second and just putting it halfway in to just dim that level of, um, reactiveness mm -hmm. of reactivity yes. stuff mm -hmm. that we're going to just kind of, it's going to seep into us. Right. <clears throat> so in that moment, we're checking in with everyone. How's this feeling? Do you guys feel like this is feeling consensual still? Is everyone giving consent about the ways we're touching? Is this feeling healthy for everyone? So we're that, that voice that's helping them make that inner mm -hmm. voice that says, is this still good for me? Does this feel good for you guys to be wrestling each other? I think so mm -hmm. often kids like that's their main idea, but they like could also have a competition where they're punching pillows or pushing mm -hmm. things over or pulling on a, on a, mm -hmm. like a rope, throwing things in a or bin, throwing things in a bin. There could be other ways they could be getting out the stress in their bodies. That's not harming each other, but that's their natural idea. Cause like, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. I want to also want to say, I want to say screaming is another one that really hits that vagus nerve, the cranial nerve that goes from the base of the cranium all the way down and regulates the nervous system. So screaming is also a really effective way to regulate um, a body. Mm -hmm. And it's really triggering for all of us, but kids mm -hmm. do it to really say, I want balance in my body. I feel off kilter and mm -hmm. I need it. And that's why the screaming and the wild sounds come. So how can we accept that like Kelsey said mm -hmm. and say how can we work with this rather than against it can we yeah. get the uh, have a screaming room and another room where they do the screaming where they have the the competition things instead of beating on each other they're doing a certain mm -hmm. routine or something it's right like, I struggle myself with that zany energy like yeah. if someone's dysregulated and crying or struggling and having a real issue I'm like I am in I am on it but when it's that kind of like <laughs> the wily <laughs> I can't handle this roller coaster that can, I'm on. It's so hard. It. Also because you can sense the stress behind it. Probably. Right. I think so much about this is saying when they're screaming, when they're wrestling, when they're doing all this, this stuff, they have stress like in their simmering. body that has to get out yeah. and we hear it. We see it. We feel it. There's yeah. stress in there and we want to say, stop, 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 but they have to get it out. We mm -hmm. don't want our kids to hold their stress in their bodies, mm -hmm. right? We want them to get the stress out. So sometimes we can suggest something in the moment and they'll mm -hmm. redirect to that. But most of the time our work is outside the moment before in the preparation or prevention and in the post, in the processing, what can we do next time? I wish that could happen in the mm -hmm. kitchen when I'm cooking dinner, mm -hmm. but I could burn myself. Mm -hmm. I'm a little concerned about that. Could it be in the next room? Could it be this way instead of that way? Mm -hmm. I know you guys can think of some I ideas. noticed you guys were we so into it. And then you weren't and it went sideways and one of you bonked your head and it was hard. That could happen again if, if you feel okay with that. Because we've done it like every fucking night for the last two weeks. 
exactly. uh, outlet to get the, right. the stress out. But right. if, if you wanted to avoid the bonk and the cry and the stuff, let me know how I can help you. And let me know if you need <clears throat> ideas. And I'm here to brainstorm those with you. Mm-hmm. Not like that was bad. What can you do? But like, I noticed you seemed a little put out your when ally. you cracked your head or yeah. when you, when your brother was crying for like 30 minutes and didn't want to come to dinner, you know, let me know if you want to kind of change stuff up a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard. Hey, Dana. Here I said I was isolated with my kid just last week due to COVID. I noticed him doing a funny dance and some funny faces he never did before. Yeah. And I, it's like, who knows? That could be relaxed time and connected time. That could mm-hmm. be stress time, like where they're feeling stressed and they got the funny faces and funny dance going on. Mm-hmm. I think we have to think so much about stress behavior. What is the stress out? Stress behavior look like? My mm-hmm. stress behavior is controlling behaviors where I'm especially um, focused on sounds in my environment and the sights of my environment. And I tend to micromanage people around those things. Uh, a lot of kids stress behavior is, uh, inappropriate physical stuff is inappropriate. Verbal stuff mm-hmm. is not listening and avoiding uh, verbal direction. Mm-hmm. What other stress behaviors are out there? Like super sensitivity, right? Frustration, intolerance, frustration, intolerance. Yeah. Um, like things just not being right, not feeling right, mm-hmm. not going well, not what right. they wanted in their mind. Think so much about behaviors is rethinking them and retooling to say, this is an expression that's either developmentally appropriate and it's helping them learn and explore mm-hmm. the world, or it's an expression of their current stress. And they're explaining that and showing that the best way they know how, mm-hmm. how can I support them? Yeah. Right? Someone shares that they growl like a tiger when they're stressed and yeah. it makes the kids laugh. Sure. How do you feel about that? That could yeah. be good. That could be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You bet. Get that stress out though. Mm-hmm. I think when we think about ways to get stress out, we're like laughing, crying, raging, exercising, mm-hmm. calming, doing calming things. What mm-hmm. regulates our nervous system? Touch, massage, may, maybe very intimacy to what our kids need. Our love language, our calming language, just like our stress language is very different to our kids' stress language mm-hmm. and their calming language. So much about this is saying, what is my kid's stress language? What is my kid's calming language? Mm-hmm. What is that? What do they need? Yeah. What's their body needing? And usually their behavior is showing us what their body is needing. Yeah, I think right? that's, that's the ticket. I think often we're saying, tell me in words, use your words, tell me what you need. And I think our kids are amazing. They're showing us that constantly. So we can say, I'm, I think you're needing, or I'm seeing you're needing to jump, or I'm seeing you're needing to flail your arms, or I'm seeing you're needing quiet, or I see you're needing to not be at the table, or I'm seeing you're needing to, to run away from whatever we're doing. Is that right? And trying quiet. to help connect to our kids' needs so they can help connect to their needs. So that eventually they can say, hey, mom, I'm not hungry yet. Or, hey, mom, I'm, this is too mm-hmm. much homework too soon. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, mom, I'm kind of engrossed in this project mm-hmm. and I'm not ready to move yet. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, mom, I'm feeling like so uncomfortable in my body and I think I need to lie down or go on the trampoline. Yeah, we provide those words for them. Yeah. Looks like you might be hungry. It looks like maybe you're needing some space. Are you needing to lie down instead of going outside? What are you needing? And that is the question that we can be asking ourselves, that we can be asking our child, not in a grilling, like kind of get to Give the, me the bottom of this way, yeah. but like I'm musing, I'm wondering, what are you needing right now? I'm needing some quiet or I'm needing us to be to the table or I'm needing us to leave the park soonish. What am I needing? Mm-hmm. That's part of our resist approach, yeah. the respect step. What am I needing? Right. Before I go into saying, we need to do this my way to whatever, right? Right. What am I actually needing? And it's not my child to do this. It's calm. It's quiet. It's progress. It's, it's dinner, dinner. It's whatever it is. How can yeah. we get to that base necessity? And that's actually come, circling back to our nonviolent, um, communication, communication, yeah. like link from the beginning of this conversation is go to their website because I think mm-hmm. you can download and maybe we'll try to put this in the show notes of this podcast episode. Yeah. Um, is what are these basic needs and print them out. Like it's a sheet or two that says all these needs where I'm like, I didn't even know that was a need. I didn't even recognize that this was a a need right now. I need belonging right now. I need solitude right now. I need nurturing right now. I need quiet. And so much about this as parents is saying, can we acknowledge and even vocalize to our kids what we need knowing 
it's not We're probably not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. And it's not their That's job okay. to give it to us. Yeah. But the practice of doing that can help us find awareness and peace. And it can also be modeling for our kid what needs are. And the more we try to seek out to understand our kids' needs through the behavior that they're showing us, the more they're learning to understand what their needs are before they have a crazy behavior or a wild behavior or um, maladaptive quote unquote behavior mm-hmm. um, that could be bothersome to other people. They could say, mom, this, dad, yeah. this, friend, this. Right? I think that question is something we brought up on um, the Grow Up podcast that went live this week. So check that out yeah. um, on Instagram <clears throat> or um, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. But we talked about what do you need? That question that seems so daunting in a lot of ways because I'm like, I don't know what I need. I don't know what they need. It I feels like stop. this big abyss, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually this incredibly beautiful surrender mm-hmm. and this moment of letting go of saying, I don't have to control this. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the directives. I don't have to like, um, orchestrate or what? Yeah, orchestrate this whole situation. I can just say, I'm not sure what you're needing. I'm not sure what I'm needing. And it's okay to sit in that kind of discomfort, that, that vulnerability. It's okay. And I think none of us necessarily grew up that way thinking it's a safe place to be uncomfortable. It's a mm-hmm. safe place to be wondering what you're needing. It's a safe place to be wondering what other people are needing. I think because of all of our, our cultural conditioning, we thought that is unsafe because we have these feelings of shame or blame or punishment. Mm-hmm. Or insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can try to the best of our ability through therapy, through talking things out, through support with a partner, through debriefing moments like this with other parents, we can try to recondition that space of uncertainty of saying, what is this person needing and what am I needing into a safe place to just sit and wonder. And that be enough. I think so often. That'd be the beginning that, and that nothing. Even just needs being uh, acknowledged and aware, made aware of is, is almost like a huge step to even before they get met. Mm-hmm. And I think so much about it is just even saying what we need. It feels so good, <laughs> right? And not even getting them met, right? And same with our kids. That goes a long way to just saying, you need this and you want this. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to fix anything and do anything for ourselves or our kids yeah. all the time. We can just say, I've got needs, you've got needs, right? A lot of kids feel and do better just hearing a reflection mm-hmm. of what they're needing. And not yeah, Amy, I love that. It's not their job to give it to us. Oof. That's- yeah, a lot of us grew up in that way with mm-hmm. a lot of codependency where it feels like our job to make everyone happy and to meet everyone's needs, especially those above us and everyone's needs, right? And that's the the legacy that we're trying not to pass down to our kids to saying, you know, right now in the parent-child relationship, your needs matter most, right? And I'm going to meet your needs by meeting my needs as the parent for sure. But you are not responsible for meeting my needs. You are responsible for becoming aware of and ultimately learning how to meet your own first. It goes from the inside out, Yeah. right? We want our kids to, to know and meet their needs because they will be able to better know, recognize and meet others' needs over time. Yeah, but that's so backward. Like yeah. most of us think kids need to be trained to obey and conform and meet everyone's needs to fit into society and fit mm-hmm. into the family, which is like a mini society. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so backward and so opposite to say, how can we keep our kids tuned in to what they're needing and what they're going through in an effort to build that awareness, not to say, I want you to be selfish. I want you to be vain. I want you to only be needing and focusing on what you deserve and, and without being tuned into everyone else. But by knowing that, that knowledge, that self-knowledge is going to trickle into every relationship they have if we're doing it in a neutral, loving, connective way and modeling that with ourselves too. What what our kids know of themselves, they'll, they'll seek to know in others. What yeah. kids love in themselves, they'll seek to love in others. Mm-hmm. What kids uh, feel the authority to, to go after for themselves, they will advocate for that in other people. So it starts with them. Um, owning that, knowing that, feeling safe in that. And that's the work we get to do at home. And and then we send them out and we hope for the best. And that's the work we're doing too in our 30s, mm-hmm. right? Trying to re- rework ourselves through the same process at yeah. the same time. Katie said, a 2021 realization was, I don't know what I need a lot of the time. have definitely been working on that aspect of my reparenting. Love that. Yeah. Needs. 
Needs. It all comes down to needs. God, needs is such a dirty word. Oh, mm. needs. Seem like you're more so needy. Demands on other people. Or you have needs. You're entitled. You're high maintenance. Yeah. Right. Those are these 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 beliefs that we have in our mind about needs, which needs are human. They are essential, critical to to self growth, to relationship growth, to community growth, to equity, to diversity. Right. To, yeah. to really sustaining like social change, right? Yeah. How can we look at our kids' needs and say, your needs don't matter right now and expect them to look at other people's needs and think they matter. It, it just doesn't compute, right? And again, we, we can't always meet our needs for sure as parents. We can't always even meet our kids' needs mm-hmm. based on our rules, our limits, our boundaries, our capacity, right? Mm-hmm. But we can always validate the need. We can acknowledge it. We can, um, we can vocalize it, right? We can tell them, yes, that need. I'm going to say what it is that you're showing me through your resistance. You have a need for this. Your resistance shows me you have a need for this. Mm -hmm. You maybe need more time. You need more agency. You need more information. You need more space. You need more. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Right. I think that's a beautiful thing that we, we click into that binary thing of like, if you have a need, you, you win or you lose, you mm-hmm. get it met or you don't get it met. And think about what we all need at the end of the night from a partner, from ourselves. We need somebody mm-hmm. to say, like you just said, Hannah, I don't know if we can meet your need, but I want to try. I want to know it. I want to understand it. Tell me more about it. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong. Whatever it is, even if it's terrifying to <clears throat> me, tell me more. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I think that whatever our kids are needing, if it's another cookie, if it's to never go to school again, if it's to like grow their hair four inches overnight, if it's to um, for, their, bed at midnight. for their sibling to disappear, mm-hmm. whatever it is, how can we say, yes, that need, that impulse, <gasps> what's under I here? I see that. I hear that so much. And we don't even have to say, but you can't have it or, but that's not realistic or, but not now. Needs can exist on their own. They can yeah. exist in their own plane. And I love that Lacey says, uh, I think I know what I need, but I don't feel like I can take off the mom and partner hats long enough to meet them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think continuing to define, spend that time just like we do with our kids. We can't always meet them. But can we continue to define the needs? Mm-hmm. And same with ourselves. I need as a parent more space. I need as a parent more girlfriend time or boyfriend time. I need more outdoor time. I need... What do I need? And keep connecting to the need and defining the need and micro defining the need. Yeah. And the more you, you kind of perseverate on it in a good way is, is creating space for it to exist yeah. in your, in your life. But that has to be a conversation, like you said, with partners too. And it's something we've struggled with when we so put hard. a need out there, it feels threatening to someone else because they think yeah. that means I get less time or that means that's going to cost or. me something or yeah. whatever it is. And how do we create a safe space around talking about needs with our partners, with ourselves, with our parents, with our co-caregivers, whoever it is? How can we say, I'm going to have some needs and I want to be able to share those with you without you going into a defensive mode or Mm -hmm. a logistical mode? Or here's what I'm needing. I want to share my needs with you, whether it's for time or space or patience or in a triple way or two Mm -hmm. bedtimes off in a week or um, help cleaning the house or whatever it is. I want to be able to share my needs and I want to be able to sit in that and feel safe in that. Mm -hmm. And then we can get into logistics tomorrow or another time where we can come to the table, like making lists in writing or whatever it is. I like that idea, Kel, where you're even just not just vocalizing your needs to yourself as a parent, but to a partner or someone else where Mm -hmm. there are no demands of those needs. They're Mm -hmm. just the needs expressed. And I think just even a, a thing before that is just saying you deserve to get your needs met. And like our partners aren't going to tell us we deserve to get our needs met necessarily. Yeah. Our parents aren't necessarily. Our kids will never say, but mom, never. you need your needs met too. That's we okay. have to be our own self-advocate in those ways and surrounding ourselves with as many people who can do it, which we will give you all permission right now. You have needs. They are beautiful and valid and they deserve to be met. And we want you to get your needs met. Every single one of them. They are amazing and you deserve it. Seriously. Yeah. So if we can be the only ones, at least right now, that tell you that about your needs, mm-hmm. please hold on to that. Right? Yeah. But that's like, that's the validating thing and kind of like messed up thing about telling our kids their needs matter. 
but I'm starting to look at my kids and say, your needs matter. You want that. You want that thing. And I know I can't give it or I know it can't happen, but just championing them and being their, their ally, even their accomplice in whatever it is and saying, I want to make that happen for you. If I can gives me faith that I can make my own dreams happen too Mm -hmm. and fulfill my own needs too, in a way. I don't know if our outer voice becomes our inner voice, then becomes our outer voice again. It's wild. It's reinforcing to tell our kids, I hear you. I believe you. I understand you. Even if we can't make it real Mm -hmm. because we can take that same advice ourselves. Yeah. That's all I got. I'm tired. We're tired. Thank you all so much. It was great to connect with you. If you have questions about um, our work, go to upbringing.co. You can download the freedoms model we talked about tonight, Mm -hmm. the resist approach we talk about all the time. And you can learn more about our show up and grow up small group coaching, which is open this week for enrollment for the month of February, Mm -hmm. where we'll do weekly two hour um, small group sessions of coaching around all those big challenging behaviors, our beliefs about our sensitive and strong-willed kids. Um, we hope you'll join us or yeah. let us know if you have questions about yeah. any of it. We Anytime. really just kind of unpack how to move through challenges, mealtimes, bedtimes, hygiene, sibling conflict, transitions, like anxiety, stress, verbal aggression, physical aggression, all the things that are stressful to you. We will unpack in all four sessions, you and seven-ish other people or couples. Yeah, It's really fun. Mother of Sydney and said, my son and I are listening to this during bath time. And he said, it sounds like one person is talking. Yes. But there are also two people talking before he saw your video. Thank you so much. (laughs) We're like a two headed person. Yeah, absolutely. Two headed something or other. I don't know what Mm -hmm. we are, Um, but we're grateful to be here Mm -hmm. connecting with you all, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. The fact that you're listening in and thinking about this and working on this not in a dogmatic way, not in a like, we're the experts telling you what to do way, mm-hmm. but in this curious way of saying, I'm uncovering through all of this, listening and thinking the answers to my own questions, the solutions to my own challenges. It's all in there. You have all of those things within you already. Mm-hmm. And the conditioning and the beliefs that we talk about are the intended to unearth all of this, this stuff that, that is holding us all back from showing up in this way with our kids that feels good yeah, and that grows us all in, in really beneficial ways. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great reminder too, that our kids have all those answers and we can yeah. keep looking to them neutrally, not in a grilling pushy way, but just, you know what your body needs. You know what you're wanting right now. You know what you're liking and not liking. Tell me, let's make this a conversation. Mm-hmm. We can make everything with our kids, especially in those moments of struggle where we want to pull the parent card, where we want to bust <laughs> out of the side by side, buddy wing person dynamic to the hierarchical top down approach. We don't have to do that. We can stay side by side and we can say, I see you. I hear you. I want to understand you. What's going on? How can we make this work for us both? Right. And that's what we'll be teaching them by showing up that way is for them to know how to go side by side with other people and show up and say, I have this need, you have this need, what can we do? Where they won't learn top-down power dynamics to experience it or to do it, right? Um, So this is by the way we teach, right? This is all very important work. That's what we say, sanity and social change. That's the work we're doing is just for our homes, for our families, for our Mm day-to-day, and also for these greater communities and these greater humans that that we're raising, right? all important work we're grateful you're here we're grateful to be here Mm -hmm. um, growing up alongside you all reach out anytime with anything we're always here (sighs) we've missed you yep our future episodes we're going to be doing these live q a's still we're going to be alternating um, with interviews that we've been uh doing on other people's podcasts so check out the podcast for those other conversations that we're really excited to share Um, and we'll be up here soon too with some new guides and some other cool stuff in the works yeah so Um, Happy Monday. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye.